have a question for you. It's why. Why? And if you have children, you probably hear this all the time. I've got lots of kids, half a dozen of them, and it's kind of that, that thing that's always on the tip of their tongue. And, and even though we give our children such a hard time for, for whying us to death, as adults, we do the same thing. So what is why? It's a question that drives us from an early age, and it reveals purpose, and purpose gives us direction. And so what our children are doing in that moment is they want to know meaning, right? They want direction. They want to know the purpose behind why you've asked them to do something or why something takes place. And as adults, we want the same exact answers that they do. Tonight's message is titled this, Purpose Driven Recovery. Because if we just have recovery, if we're just living life and it's without purpose, it's lacking guidance, direction, right? It's lacking clarity. We're aimless in our pursuit. And so we need something behind it to give it substance, to open our eyes to God's plan and purpose and to help us pursue his will in all areas. So again, purpose-driven recovery, because knowing our purpose, again, it gives us clarity and it motivates us towards the life and the call of God. Purpose is one of those things that without it, we wander aimlessly. But with it, man, we're focused in our pursuit. We're focused in our marriage. We're focused in our job. If we know the why behind it, the same answer our children are seeking, if you can adequately satisfy their incessant questioning, the child will happily do what you want them to do. <laughs> yeah, it's a joke. Um, but as adults, we need that. We need that answered so we know, why am I doing this? I know when I was getting sober, that was one of those questions that I would struggle with from time to time. Why? Why am I doing this? Because I would lose sight of all the terrible things, and I needed that purpose behind it. Because without that purpose, then, then I lost the motivation to pursue it. The same with loving my wife, that as long as I keep that why in front of it, because sometimes that's difficult, not so much because she's difficult, but because I'm difficult. But if I lose that, that becomes a struggle. Parenting, I mean, sometimes it's just like, man, I don't want to feed these kids. Why am I doing that? Oh, yeah, DHS gets involved if I don't. Um, so we need, we need that purpose behind what we're doing so we can continue just to be motivated, again, towards the life and the call of God. I love this. Our purpose, it challenges self-limiting beliefs. That there's things that you've stepped into life with, probably because of trauma from your childhood, trauma from past relationships, trauma from a broken world. And you've, you've labeled you, yourself with limiting beliefs, that there's, there's things in your mind that are lies. And when we discover our purpose, it challenges those lies. It challenges those things in our life that we've bought into so we can begin to push past it and find success. And so where do we begin to search for purpose? Things of this world? That's what we do in our brokenness, right? I tried to find purpose in drugs. I tried to find meaning in that, in sexual pursuit, and those things. And we look for purpose in that, but it leaves us wanting. It's unfulfilling. We look for purpose in our jobs, in our finances, in stuff. I love Amazon. If I'm stressed out, I love it even more. Why? Because I'm looking for something, right? There's a brokenness inside of me. There's a void there. And absence of purpose, absence of meaning, absence of guidance and direction, that void's bigger. And we begin to try to fill it with anything that we can find. And we continue to try to put square pegs in round holes. And without purpose, again, we lack that clarity and that motivation in our lives, in our recovery, and the things we're pursuing. 
And so where do we begin to search for purpose? Point number one is this tonight. Purpose is revealed in our identity. Purpose is revealed in our identity. Don't know your purpose? Find out who you are. Find out who you are. And now when I talk about identity, there's a lot of things that we want to go back to, right? You may come from a broken family. You may come from a poor neighborhood. You may come from a great family. But, but we define ourselves with that. The broken people in our world, what our mother did, what our father did, those things be, begin to impact us. And we label ourselves with those things. Maybe it's things that you picked up in school. People bullied you. People called you things. And as much as you wanted to convince yourself that those words didn't impact you, they did. And we begin to build an identity around the things in our world instead of around God. And so if we want to define our purpose, we have to start by identifying our identity. Who are we? Romans. The book of Romans reveals some of our identity. Romans was written by the apostle Paul. Um, Paul was a guy that before Jesus, he defined himself by his pedigree, by his education, by the tribe that he was from as an Israelite. All of those things played into Paul's identity. And then he discovered Jesus. And this whole paradigm that he had, this false identity that he held up so high was torn down as he began to realize who he really was and who he was really called to be. And so in Romans, Romans eleven sixteen, we begin to get a picture of this. And it says in verse 16, it says, and since Abraham, that was the father of the Israelite nation, the one that God called, if you're familiar with your Bible, God told him, I'm gonna make you the father of many nations. You'll have more descendants than stars in the sky or sand on the seashore. So the Israelites, Paul, held him up in high regard. Um, it says, and since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, that's set apart, set aside, their descendants will also be holy, just as the entire batch of dough is holy, because the portion given as an offering is holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. And so this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. As we read that in that context, it's like, I'm not Jewish. I know when I came into the church, I actually struggled with this question for a long time. I didn't understand how Jesus pertained to me. And I would read my Old Testament and I would see all these promises to a specific people group, a specific nationality, none of which this white country boy fit the bill of. And so I didn't understand, how does this apply to me? Like, if Jesus came for them, what does that mean in my own life? And, and because I didn't understand, I missed all these great things that God had to say about me and, and about my life and who I was called to be. And so here in Romans, Paul begins to address that. What does that mean to me? What does the Old Testament mean to you? What does God's promises mean to you? And so he starts by defining Abraham's family. And then in verse 17, he says, but some of these branches from Abraham's tree some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles, Gentiles is anyone who's not a Jew. Everyone in this room. And so you Gentiles have been, um, and so you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. And so what Paul does is he says, this was the nation of Israel. These were the people of God's promise, God's chosen people. And some of them have been broken off and you've been placed in, grafted in, adopted into a family, right? And so when I read this, it reminds me of my old kids. Again, I have six kids. Not all of them are biologically mine, but all six of them are mine. In spirit, in love, in bond, in every definition, they're my children, They've been adopted in, and, and they're a part of my family. 
There, there's no differentiating. And if I didn't tell you, you wouldn't know. You probably couldn't pick out which ones are not biologically mine. Why? Because they're a part of my family. And this is the picture that God's giving us, that there was these people here, and some have been broken off. And you, when you begin to pursue Jesus, you're not identified by this family here, by this past here, by these broken promises here, by these things that you've messed up or torn down or where you've missed it. You begin to be identified by the tree that you've been grafted into. And so he says, again, he says, but some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree, some more wild than others, have been grafted in. So now you will also receive, you'll also receive the blessing God has promised to Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. No matter where you read your Bible, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're no longer identified by anything other than who God says you are. You're no longer identified other, by anything other than child of God, son of God's promise, heir, all of these things. And so those broken places of our past, those things that we wish everybody would forget, those things that we wish they didn't know or we hadn't done, they no longer define you. And that's not your identity. And we need to begin to align our identity with what God's word says. And God's word says, you've been grafted in to God's tree, God's branch, God's family. That's who you are. And so our identity becomes clearly defined as children of God, as children of God. And he goes on um, in verses 20. He says, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you were there because of something you've done, because of who your mama says you are. No, you were there. They were broken because they didn't believe. You're grafted in because you do. One single decision one single pursuit changes and shifts everything in our lives. And our identity is no longer in this world. And it's clearly defined by him, his family, and who he says we are. And so, again, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. When you've accepted Jesus, you've been adopted into his family. That's your identity. And through that identity, our purpose is revealed. When I look at my identity before, there was things I defined my life by. And if I pursued purpose based off of that, it was taking me to prison <laughs> in an early grave. That, that's my story. Your story may be different. Maybe it's broken relationship after broken relationship. Maybe it's the fact that you can't get your finances together because you spend and you spend and you spend and you just don't know why. You're trying to fill that, that void, that hole with things of this world and it's just not clicking and, and you just don't understand what's taking place. And it's because your identity is not clearly defined by him. And so we need to begin to get that in alignment. And once we do, our purpose, your identity in God reveals your purpose. Who God says I am as a husband, right? Not maybe you come from broken marriage, broken marriage, broken marriage in your family, but, but God says you're gonna be a good husband. You're gonna be a, be a good wife. That, that it could be this family history that you defined yourself by. And you just thought, man, all the way from the beginning, I'll only ever be a failure. And God says, no, you're gonna be a great husband. You're going to be a great wife. You're going to be a great parent. That it begins to shift the way that we see everything. 
And so I want to share with you, I want to share with you from the book of 1 Peter. This was a letter written to persecuted Christians in Asia Minor. And it begins to put this in some better context for us. And so this letter is somewhat of a call to holy living in the face of persecution. In other words, if you found your identity in Christ, then live as Christ lived. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, it says, As the scriptures say, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. That cornerstone is Jesus. And so Peter begins to talk about that, that this is taking place, and a cornerstone is something you built everything else off of. And that's what Peter wants us to see. This is the cornerstone. You find your identity in Christ. You begin to place everything in line with that. You begin to build everything to that cornerstone. Jumping down to verse 9, it says, But you are not like that, for you are God's chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. This language before the New Testament was reserved strictly for the Israelites. But it applies to us today. That if we begin to look at that, we're God's chosen people, a holy nation set apart because of a single decision to base our lives off the cornerstone of Jesus. And then it says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so what that begins to do is begins to reveal that, that our identities in Jesus, we, we place our lives to the cornerstone. Why? So you can show others the goodness of God. That our purpose is not found in this world. And if this is where we're at, how can we be the sinner? How can things of this world be the sinner? That we need to begin to realize that, that we're driven by our identity. And our identity's purpose is to show people the goodness of God. In 1 Peter 2.10, it says this, Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And in verse 11, it says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. Again, our identity is found in this world, is not found in this world because we don't belong to this world. That is, we're grafted into God's family. As that becomes who we are, we're foreigners here. And it says, it continues, as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Again, as we begin to look at this, our purpose is revealed. Reveal the goodness of God to live right lives around the people that, that we interact with every day. Why? To reveal God. You see the theme there? As we're grafted in to God's family, everything that we do, our purpose behind everything, our very purpose behind our identity is to point others to Jesus, to point others to what God's done in our lives so he can do the same in them, so he can begin to lift them up. Our purpose is driven by that. And it says, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God. Again, our purpose is meant to be expressed outward and point upwards. Everything that we do, our identities in Jesus, our identity reveals our purpose, and our purpose is to serve God, to point others back to him. 
says, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. And so who are we? We're temporary residents and foreigners. We're God's people. And as such, what are we to do? Point people back to him. That that's, that's the lens by which we should view our lives. That's the lens by which we should view our purpose. That should be the thing that drives us and motivates our action is how can we serve him? What can we do to direct people to the cornerstone? The one that we should place our lives off of, the one that we should build off of. And once you know who you are and what you're called to do, your purpose, that begins to reveal your destiny. That begins to, to reveal your life. My life was headed in a much different direction. But before, before I had a properly placed cornerstone, the pursuits of my life looked wildly different. My friend group looked different. Everything about me looked different. But as I... As things came into alignment, as I, as I truly began to realize who I was, my identity, it truly began to reveal my purpose, and everything in my life shifted drastically. And, that, and that's what I want you to begin to do. And when it comes to your recovery, if it's built on anything other than Jesus, you'll fail. You're going in the wrong direction. When it comes to your marriage, your identity as a husband, as a wife, it's got to be built on the cornerstone of Jesus. In anything other than that, you'll begin to fail. You can't make it. Everything has to be placed off of that. You've got to get your identity square so you can begin to discover your purpose, and that begins to reveal your destiny. And so I want you to know your destiny is intentional because our purpose is intentional, and that's point number two. Our purpose is intentional. So one of, the, one of the greatest lies ever perpetrated on people is that we're all accidents. That, that's one of the, the greatest lies. You know, Satan, he, he's called the deceiver, right? And what better way to deceive people than to convince them that their lives are meaningless? And how do you convince somebody their life is meaningless? By convincing them that they're an accident. We see this, we see this in families, right, that are absent of a parent. Like without, without knowing who they came from and being able to know that person, they're left wanting, right? They're, that things just aren't right. Well, the same is true for us spiritually. If we're robbed of that, if we're robbed of creation, if we're robbed of a creator, if we're robbed of that truth, then everything that falls beyond that is meaningless. What's the point? What's the purpose? Why are we here? And that becomes the question, right? That nobody can answer. What's the meaning of life? People who ask that, they don't have the relationship with God they should, that, that we need to put things in line with that because then it's revealed, right? Then purpose is revealed. Then meaning is revealed. I saw this meme the other day, and, and it was of a robotic hand. And so, and it was talking about intelligent design, and here was this robotic hand, and it's on the internet, and it was very beautiful, very sleek. I mean, you could tell that somebody crafted that. There was an attention to detail. And, and if you were out in the woods and you found that hand lying on the ground, you would know without a doubt that somebody put that together. Now, the same people that built that hand, you know what they can't do? They can't make this one. And the world has convinced us and led us astray and said, this here, this man-made thing is creation. This is an accident. Because what they're doing is they rob us of our identity. And when they rob us of our identity, they've robbed us of our purpose. And then 
we, we wonder aimlessly, where's the direction? Where's the clarity when we begin to question those things? And so we've got to begin to bring things back into the light of God, to his purpose and what he's called us to do. In Ephesians, Paul gives us another perspective of how intentional God is in regards to us. Not only are we intentionally created, but there's a purpose that's intentional in our lives. And in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, it says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, right? We just addressed that. We've been grafted into God's family, right? We've been plucked from the wild olive tree and we were placed and grafted and adopted into him. Our identity is found in him. So you're no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family, there's that word then, that identity. That's, that's what we're identified as. Members of God's family. We are his house built on the foundation of the apostle and the prophets. That foundation that they had was built on the cornerstone of Jesus. And we begin this work, right, that we're building off of this truth. And, and we build off of that truth. And, and we define our lives, our purpose, who we are based off of those things. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully, say carefully. carefully, carefully, it's deliberately, we are carefully joined together in him. That's intentionality, that you, you, you weren't saved by happenstance, right? That God had a plan for you, God has a purpose for you, God, God's defined you, that, that we're called, that we're built into his family, laid on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, that the cornerstone is Jesus, and he carefully, deliberately, intentionally places you because our purpose is intentional. Carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made a part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And so we get this picture of how we're brought together in Christ. No matter who you were before, no matter what you followed before, no matter how lost you were before. Again, those things no longer define you. So you discover your identity and you begin to bring it under the umbrella of God's purpose. And God's purpose for each of us is intentional. Even you, even me, that there's something specific. There's something unique. There's something about you that sets you apart. And the world wants you to think that maybe it's a flaw, that, that maybe it's a bad thing. And God wants you to know, no, I put that special thing in you so I could carefully place you where I want you to be. So I could carefully build my church, lay this foundation that you're exactly how I need you to be, how I want you to be, if we'll submit everything to him. And again, that thing to the world, it may look awkward. It may look off. It may not be the way that, that everyone thinks it should be. For me personally, if I'm not on this stage, there's, there's a certain aspect of aggression that I carry with myself that some people don't like. Up here, it can be a good thing, right? Because I've placed that under the lordship of Jesus. And there's things maybe about you that anywhere else, you don't know how it fits. You don't understand why it's a part of who you are. But again, as we define ourselves by Jesus, that's our identity and we realize that, that God does everything intentional, that our purpose is intentional, and you begin to pursue him, God will use it. 
and that thing that you thought was bad, God will lift you up and utilize that in ways you never saw coming, that you would never expect. And so it says we're joined in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And so, again, we get this picture of how we're brought together intentionally for the purpose of becoming, I like that, a dwelling for God's spirit. A dwelling for God's spirit. That as God brings us together in his family, his spirit indwells you. You ever read that and grasped that? You know, we know that we're made in the image of God. That, that we're spirits with a soul that's mind, will, emotions. That we live in a body. And it's our spirits recreated at salvation. God's spirit lives inside of you. That you become God's holy temple along with all of us that are saved and called into his family, that, that we have that indwelling inside of us. And I want you to know something. It's not because God needed a place to crash, right? That's not, that's not the point. It's because he wants to work in you and through you. There's something intentional about that. God, God doesn't need us. God doesn't need us, but, but he wants to be with us. He wants to, to work through us. He wants relationship with us. And, and all of this is intentional to be used for the plan, the purpose, and the work of God. Again, everything regarding our purpose points back to him. And so, again, it's not so he can, um, he can work through us. His purpose becomes our purpose. And that's the definition. That's the definition of Christianity. That we become Christ-like as he works through us to do his good will, his good works. And so, God, he, he does just tremendous work in us. I want to share with you out of 1 Corinthians 12. It begins to give us a picture of, of God's spirit being utilized. It begins to, to give us clarity on our purpose and what we're called to do. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, it says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the spirit gives us, that's God's spirit dwelling inside of you, that as you come into to relationship with him and salvation, there's a gifting that takes place. And it says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, that's unbelievers, when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the spirit of God will curse Jesus and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so we were we were pagans, like we didn't, we weren't in God's family. That's the wild olive tree right before adoption. And in that, we're, we're led astray. We're aimless because we don't know who we are and we don't know our purpose. And as that's been reconciled, we become dwelling places for God's spirit to this end. It says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. This is the end. Outside of salvation, God saved us. Then there's something more. That, that's not the finish line. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of all of them. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And so Paul begins to paint this picture of if there's something that takes place and there's an outward expression of that through God's Holy Spirit. And then in verse 7, it says this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Say each of us. Say that's me. So that's, that's each of us. Everyone in this room, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. How are we going to help each other? By revealing the cornerstone. 
by, by revealing Jesus to them, by, by serving them. Why do we serve them? To reveal Jesus to them. That everything begins to be put to that lens, that test. That that's the purpose. That's the meaning. You want to know the meaning of life? It, it's just centered around him. Doing this good work. So you can serve each other. I love that. A spiritual gift was given to each of us so we can help each other. And so he continues in verses 8 through 10. It says, to one person... The Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives the message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, one Spirit gives the gift of healing and gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. And so Paul begins to say that, that you've been gifted, and it may look different than the person sitting next to you. My, my wife and I, we share different abilities. My wife is a great encourager, me not so much. That, that there's things that my wife, she's compassionate in a way that, that I can't be. Like she can lift people up in ways that I can't. You know what one of my gifts is? Being blunt beyond reasonable measure and offending people. I don't know if that's a spiritual gift or not. But the point is that, that God uses what he's gifted in me. And it's different than what he's gifted in her. And it's probably different in what he's gifted in you. But it's intentional. And so we find our identity in Jesus. We become dwelling places for his Holy Spirit. And then we begin to allow him to work in us and through us to reach people, to serve people, to be good to them. And every bit of it is intentional. Our purpose is intentional. And then he says this in verse 11. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all of these gifts. And he alone decides which gift a person should have. I know around Christmas time, my wife buys all the gifts. I buy none. I don't even know what the kids get. But it's intentional. Every, every gift that she buys for our kids, they're, they're tailored to them. Gender, age, interest, love, things only a mother knows. And, and our Bible says, you know, if you as unbelievers know how to good, give good gifts, how much more so does your father in heaven? And so the thing that he's given you, it is intentional. It is special. It's unique to you because your purpose is intentional. Because you're special, you're loved, your identity's found in him. We're his children. And so if we can do that, how much more can our Father in heaven do that? And so it is one spirit who distributes all these gifts, and he alone decides which gift each person should have. And again, it's not by happenstance. It's intentional. And there's nothing, there's nothing better than opening up that gift on Christmas morning, right? You, you unwrap it. And you find out what's been in that box that whole time. I loved that as a kid. But you know what's better than that? Unwrapping that gift that's inside of you. And, and your eyes are open to, that's what God's created me for? This is what I've been called to? Finding out why 
answering that question that we ask his children all this time, why, why, why? And as we begin to find ourselves around God's word and who he's called us to be and who he said we are, we get to open that gift and our eyes are open and it's, it's my purpose, it's my calling, it's, it's my meaning, what I'm supposed to do. There's nothing greater. Mark Twain, he said it this way. He said, the two most important days in your life are the day you're born, as Christians, the day you're reborn, and number two, <laughs> and the day you find out why. And as you begin to discover who God's called you to be and what he's called to do, called you to do, there's such a great joy behind that. But the only way you'll discover it is by allowing him to define you, not allowing your past to define you, not allowing your family to define you, not your mistakes, but by allowing God to define you, by, by centering your life, building it off the cornerstone of Jesus. Again, your purpose is found in your identity and your purpose is intentional. Lastly, when we begin to walk out the pursuit of our identity and purpose, we find support. I love that. Point number three is this. We find support in our purpose. Well, that came on hot. I want to pick up right where we left off in 1 Corinthians. So we're in 1 Corinthians 12. We stopped at verse 11. Starting in verse 12, Paul, he, he was talking about our gifts, and then he's going to pivot slightly and begin to talk about unity. And he likens this unity to the human body. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, it says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. We become a part of the body as we're grafted in. And some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. That's the work of God. Through the work of God, we're brought into this family, into one body to serve him. And so... When I consider the many aspects of my body, you know, fingers, hand, you know, the torso, and, and you can break it down even further than that, here's, here's the thing that's true, that if I were to remove a part of my body, any part, it cannot stand alone, right? It, 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 it'll perish. It'll die. It, it loses its function. It, it loses its life. So it is with the body that as we're cut off, if we haven't been grafted in to, to God's olive tree, God's family, that's spiritual death. There's death in that. But we come together in God's body in unity. And we come in to God's family, we find support. With my body, my hand, it helps, helps feed me, right? I need it. My mouth, my body, it supports my hand. That, that there's, there's a unity in that. And in that unity, each part playing out its special function, it supports the parts around it. And that's the beautiful thing about God's body. That's the beautiful thing about us all being different. Not all of us are hands, right? Not all of us are ears. What my wife does, I need in my life. And, and there's things that she does just in our relationship that, that supports me. And supports the things that God's called me to do. And there's things that, that I do that support her. But it's broader than that. Each and every one of this in, in this room is as we come together and we all play our part. And we all fulfill our role. There's so much more that we accomplish together. 
and, and there's so many more people to help us when we're struggling, when we're hurting, when we're falling. And so as we discover our identity, it leads to our purpose. Our purpose is intentional. And in that, we find support. If you feel alone or lost, maybe you've missed who you are. Maybe you've missed what you've, you've been called to do. Have you gotten plugged in? Are, are you allowing God to use you? Remember, all those gifts are, are for serving the people around you, for being good to them. And as we begin to bring these truths into alignment, as we begin to walk them out, there's, there's support in that. My, my last 10 years of growth and pursuit, I couldn't have done that on my own. There's changes that I've made in the last five years would have been impossible without the work of God and without the work of God's people. And so we begin to, to come together, each one of us with our unique purpose, with our special gift that God's given us. And, and we open it up and, and that's the beautiful thing. My gift is for me, but it's really for you. Your gift, it's for me. It's meant, it's meant to be shared. It's meant to be used to prop up the people around us and, and to bring support and to help carry out the plan and the purpose of God. So... In Ephesians, it's still Paul talking, but he says it just in a slightly different way. In Ephesians 4, 7, it says, however, each of us has been given a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And so Paul, again, is talking about that special gift, but he goes on in verses 15 and 16, and he says, he says this, he said, he makes the whole body, say whole body, whole body fit together perfectly, say perfectly. God's word, if it's true, which it is, says that upon salvation, we're, we're grafted into God's family. And right here, that means that you're a part of the body. And he makes every part fit together perfectly. And maybe you're thinking, but I'm so broken. I'm so flawed. What place could I have? God's word's true or it's not. And so no matter what you're carrying, no matter what you walked in the door with, no matter what baggage, God's word's true. And it says he's going to take you, grafted in, because you've discovered your identity, because you've made him the center. He's the cornerstone, and he has a place for you that fits you perfectly. Every flaw, every gifting, everything, God will begin to utilize it and bring it under his perfect will he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And I love this next part. And it says, as each part does its own special work. Say own special work. That means your work will look different than my work. And my work will look different than your work. But as each part fits together perfectly and does its own special work, I love this last part. It helps the other parts grow. That's that support. And maybe you've been out there so long that you didn't understand or realize what this looks like and you've wondered why you've struggled and it's because you failed to realize your purpose and your place in God's family and there's things that you need that you're unable to provide for yourself, that, that you need God. But outside of that, you need, you need us. You need God's church, God's family, God's body, that, that we help each other to grow. It can't just be you and him. It was never meant to be. We're meant to be interdependent on him. We're meant to be interdependent on one another. You, you, can't, you can't skip out every week. You can't 
go absent, be dark, away from everybody. That's not, that's not his plan. That's not his purpose. That's not what he's called you to. And so he makes every part fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And that's such a beautiful picture. That God takes our, our brokenness. God takes those things that, that people want us to walk around and be ashamed of and, and think that are odd and out of place, misfit. And God says, that was meant for here. That's why it doesn't look right out there. You're foreigners out there. You're not citizens of this world. That you come together in God's family. That's why it's not working out there. That's why you can't find your place. You were never meant to be out there. You were meant to be here, a part of his work, a part of his body. And as we come together, we lift each other up. We help each other grow so that the whole body can be healthy. And that, that means not only do, do you need us, but we need you. We need each other to carry out the plan and the purpose of God. To recap tonight, point number one, our purpose is revealed in our identity. Your identity is found in Jesus. It's not found in anything else. It was never meant to be, nor should it be. Your identity is found in Jesus. And when you discover Jesus, you discover your purpose. Number two, our purpose is intentional. This is not the result of a cosmic lottery. Everything is intentional when we submit it to Jesus. God will use it to his plan and to his purpose. Number three, we find support in our purpose. We find support when we come together, when we pursue who we are, who we were called to be. When we come together, we lift each other up and we help each other grow. And so tonight, as we talk about purpose, as we talk about identity, again, it's, it's got to be set to the cornerstone. The cornerstone is Jesus. And so if you're in here and you're still struggling with who am I, why, why am I here? It starts with one simple answer, and that's Jesus. That you've got to begin a relationship with him. That you've got to begin to submit yourself to him. That you've got to begin to follow him. And so if you're in here tonight and you've been missing that, that starting point, I want to encourage you that here at the end of service, we're going to have some, some ladies and gentlemen up front, and they would love to pray with you and for you so you can make that greatest decision so you can come into relationship with him you can come into relationship with jesus and you can have an identity one that's centered on him and maybe you're in here and, and you've gotten off track you, you began to to drift you've missed it you've missed it for so long that you just feel like you could never come home well, i want you to know that that's a lie that you're always welcome back into god's family you're always welcome back home. And so if you're in here tonight and you need to recommit your life, I want to encourage you, same offer, that here at the end of service, we're going to have some people up front and they would love to pray with you and for you and lead you back into a relationship with Jesus so you can pursue him, so you can pursue your identity, so you can pursue your purpose. And then if you're in here and God's just been dealing with you, his Holy Spirit's been nudging you, pushing you, hitting you over the head and saying, you need to let that go. That, that, that's a lie. That, that's not, that doesn't come from me. And there's something that you need to set down that you need to let go of. We want to encourage you to come down front and get a white chip. 
there's nothing special about it, but I believe that when we act in faith, when we step out of our comfort zone, when we come down front and we say, God, I'm giving this to you, that that act of faith is significant. And so even though the chip's not significant, I think just the motion of coming down and pursuing him in a bold way is. And so if you're in here and, and you wanna get a white chip, I wanna encourage you to do that. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you're in here and, and you just wanna know, is, is there somebody who will pray with me and for me about the things that are going on in my life? Absolutely. This is a house of prayer and we would love to journey with you. So for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to get a white ship, or just for prayer, we wanna encourage you to come down front. And if everybody would, as we close tonight, if you would stand to your feet and join us in worship.